is the EWN Podcast Network. Welcome to another episode of the Beauty Boss Podcast. I'm your host, Brianna Day, and the CEO of Beauty Boss Network, your go-to resource to find everything that you need to break out, to ball out, and to blossom into the beauty boss of your dreams. Beauty Boss Network. Last week on the podcast, we announced the Beauty Boss Network live tour. We're hitting the road and coming to a city near you. If you didn't listen to last week's podcast, go to beautybossnetwork.com on our homepage. Make sure that you opt in. Tell us what city you're in. You're going to get our free download and we might just come to a city near you. But we have officially announced our first stop Coming to Dallas, Texas, our hometown. We're going to be doing a September 25th, Monday night, talking about mindset, marketing, and your money with a star-studded panel bringing to you Melanie of Melanie Mills Hollywood, Danessa Myricks of Danessa Myricks Beauty, Fifi from MUA underscore Fifi, the social media maven herself, and bringing in our fit fam with Tana Eubanks, the fitness model, IFBB pro, fashion blogger, and so much more. It's going to be an amazing panel talking about getting your mindset in the right place, how to rock out your marketing, and those two pieces combined resulting in more money in your bank account. So if you're a beauty boss and you're about that life, you want to come and join us Monday night, September 25th in Dallas, Texas. And we can't wait to announce our next cities real soon. OMG, use a bomb. Beauty Boss Network. Come on, slay, boss. Today's host is probably the most experienced host we've ever had on this show. It is such an honor to have this absolute legend on the podcast today. I I don't even think I can put into words how excited I am to have this guest on our show. Reggie Wells brings over 40 years of experience to the industry. He started back before there was even a full line of cosmetics to really be able to develop your craft. Reggie has got a whole a-list celebrity clientele that you would see at a Hollywood gala, most famously known for his work with Oprah. Reggie's also worked with everyone from Beyonce to Whitney Houston to Aretha Franklin, Brooke Shields, Mary J. Blige, and even Little Kim. He's won Emmys for his work and has been awarded for Outstanding Achievement in Makeup in addition to being nominated four times for the Emmys. Reggie has a wealth of of knowledge that he has to share with us, and I can't wait to just let him take it off right here, right now. Reggie, thank you so much for joining us. I would rather I would rather be able to take this nowhere but the Beauty Boss Network. And I'm so pleased to have this idea of coming up with you having the idea of coming up with just a network of this sort. This is so needed in the industry, especially today. I agree, and I'm so thankful and humbled to hear you even say that. But I just want to learn as much of, about you as I can in our time together today. So okay. you have such a, a a huge background, and I'm curious to take it all the way back to the beginning. So tell me, I'm curious to know, what was your first ever job? 
Well, my first ever job was school teaching. And when I started as an art teacher, that was my first job. I tried to be in fashion, and I ended up teaching art. I had my master's degree in art education. So I found out that the only way I could do art and really get into fashion is was to come up with an idea in 1968 to take my students, all of the student girls I had in my class, and make them models. And this is an eighth-grade class. They had no experience in modeling or makeup, but I used them. I'm going to call them guinea pigs at that time mm -hmm. because they didn't know, and I didn't have any idea. But I found out one thing about girls and one thing about a church about girls. They always want to look their prettiest and the most beautiful they could do, and I found that necessary and became a very success at it in public schools. We became the first modeling group in the whole school, and we call it the Groomian Modeling Club. So that was mm -hmm. my itch right there to go to New York and become a makeup artist. It was an itch, and, and I kept scratching, kept scratching. And where, and where was this when you were, when you were a school teacher in eighth grade? Well, I did in Baltimore City, Baltimore City, Baltimore, Maryland, and uh, it's where I went to school and was born and raised, and I was at school, but I always had that little edge of being frustrated because I wasn't into fashion, so I turned art into fashion. I used that as an excuse just to get and do the things I wanted to do in my art classroom. And how, mm -hmm. how did you transition from that space as an eighth grade school teacher and you had this group of girls? How did you then go and become a makeup artist? I just did the same thing I did as a teacher. I walked right into a store, a department store back in 19, I guess it had to be in 71, 72. And I walked in there and I said to them, uh, I want to be a makeup artist. And that time we didn't have people that were actually makeup artists. We had people behind the counter that were supposedly makeup artists. But I think at that time they were looking for people that would just go on the floor and try to get people over to the counter. So I used that teaching ability, that, that idea of motivation, that idea of taking someone who is not attractive and gave them something that they could be attractive with by showing them lipstick and blushes and eyeshadow. I found a whole new life for myself in New York City. And I kept doing that for about three years. I went from every store, from B. Altman's to Bloomingdale's to Macy's to every store. And sometimes I met the same women that I met in Jackson Avenue. It was fun. It was easy. And I think that transition from being a school teacher actually helped me with the public. Most definitely, because you had that educational nature to want to help people find out and learn not just what lipstick they needed, but how to use it, which is well, thank such yeah, a thank key. God, uh, yeah, it was a key because it was a, an honor that I had the ability to draw and paint. And I think the idea of knowing color was really a big asset for me because I had to mix colors. I mean, I didn't have art theory. I didn't have anything like color theory. It didn't exist. So what I did is thought of everybody as a painting. So I mixed the colors right there on their face. And thank God I was able to do that because 
We didn't even have black makeup for any kind of skin back then in 1968, 1969. It didn't happen until the middle 70s, and I introduced fashion fair makeup back then in New York City. Amazing. So here's my question is, I know so many aspiring beauty bosses that are working in department stores right now, and they just dream of being freelance, let alone working with celebrities like Beyonce and Aretha Franklin and Oprah, you know? So what was that transition? How do you go from being a department store makeup artist to working with A-list celebrities? You'd be different because we have hundreds of makeup artists now. Everybody and their sister and their grandmother wants to be a makeup artist. It's really... uh, upsetting to me because I don't like to use the word artist. And Mm -hmm. I think I said that at a Beauty Boss Network event we had. I don't want to call you artists until you work for that level because Mm -hmm. we are going around now, you know, treating makeup like everybody has the same face and everybody has the same color. You know, we did a horrific thing, I think. I think we... We disrespected the idea of contour. Mm-hmm. Contour has been around since 1930, back in black and white movies. And we missed the idea of what contour was actually for. Everybody doesn't need contour, and everybody doesn't have to have it. What we did is took an art, and what contour is, is nothing but a, an exaggeration or a camouflage. And if it's not necessary to use, you need to stay away from it. But because we have fads now and people copying each other, there's not an experience enough for you to become famous. The only way I stood out in New York City was to do something different. And when you introduce something different in the art world, it makes a difference. That's why we have Picasso and we have Rembrandt. And Leonardo da Vinci, each artist had their own style. We are becoming, Brianna, copycats. And that must be stopped in the industry. And that's why I go around teaching the difference. You better preach that truth. (laughs) I have have to. I'm sort of upset. And I have a habit of I'm walking. I go to department stores no matter what city I am because I want to meet those young artists was trying to do it. This, and this is what you have to understand about being in a department store. You're working for a cosmetic company, and their first idea is to have you do point of purchase. Now, what a point of purchase is, it means that we have this stock, and this is the stock we need to sell. So no matter what she looks like, you need to sell her these pinks, or these orange, or these purples, no matter what her skin tone is. And that, my friend, is an impossible job to do. But if you have the source of knowing what color can do, you would turn that point of purchase around where it becomes an item that they can use with some interest and not just bring it back. Because we never know, and this is what people don't know in purpose, a lot of these cosmetic products are being returned, and companies don't like returns. You can buy it, but you can return it as well. 
And that's the problem. How do you make a perfect sale? And the only way you do that is to make your customer feel good about what she looks like. And that's where we're missing the point. That's so interesting. And I think that what I'm also really curious to know about is, you know, because the market is so saturated, how mm-hmm. do you differentiate yourself? Because you speak to that. So, so how do you not be a copycat, like you were saying? Well, I teach a class called Faceology. And Faceology means that we start with the skull. And this is what everybody forgets. And I watch these YouTubes, and I, I see people, and they paint backwards, Brianna. We're watching a tape of somebody painting themselves backwards. Hmm. And so we're watching a cosmetic person do a makeup backwards. So if you turn that around and give me somebody, I can see you doing frontal, not backwards. I want to see it. And first of all, I don't want to see it on you every time I tune into you. I don't want to see your face every time because you're not teaching me anything but your face. What I want to do is learn from you on a basis what we'll say, here's another girl, here's another girl, and here's how each one of them are going to be created. <clears throat> and that's what you have to learn how to do. You can't paint, paint backwards and erase. We have a habit of erasing. Brianna, back in the 1960s and 40s, we build makeup. We didn't, we didn't erase it, take it and put it on fully, and then erase it. The beauty of art is that if you start with a tree in the background, it has to be a lighter tree. See what I'm saying? So you build that foreground, and that foreground becomes the darkest tree. So there's a lot of perspective, not even on canvas, but also on the face. We're talking art now. We're not talking makeup. We're talking art in which influences how you paint a face. The skull is your ground. It's your foreground, your background. Your skull is there. And if you look at your face and feel your face, everybody's skull, no matter how much it might, you might think it's the same, but if you ever saw a DNA test where they find a skull, they can go back and find, is this a black person? Is this a, a Spanish person? Is this a Korean person? Because of the skull. That means the nose. The skull tells you what the nose looks like, what the lips look like, what the forehead look like. And that's what we need to pay attention to in order to paint. I hope it makes sense because that's what I teach. Well, it absolutely makes sense. And, you know, you're, you're, you almost got me stepping out of my soapbox right now because mm-hmm. it is so frustrating when you see on social media, especially this, it's a blessing and a curse, right? Because it's this amazing You've free marketing anybody. tool. That's right. Painting and it, backwards. Painting mm-hmm. backwards. Right. And they're putting on all this heavy makeup and then working their way backwards. And, you know, a lack exactly. of professional experience and understanding how to truly be an artist. Yet, Exactly. And you should get that word placed by your name when you become that. And that's what an artist does. They don't sit there and put on a canvas mm-hmm. until they know what the structure of that canvas and the perspective of that canvas is going to be. And, you know, it might sound a little serious, but it's not. It's not because 
It's a gift that you have just in order to pay. What you have to do now is stand out in the in the public's eye so you can be recognized. Each celebrity that I did, I studied their face before I put my box down. I studied it. When they, when they gave me that job, that means I had to go and do my homework and look at Lena Horne and look at Diana Ross and look at Whitney Houston way before I touched that skull. That's preparing yourself. And you have to be good enough to analyze the face when you walk into a room. And that's what I do, and I'm good at it. I can go and analyze what a face is. Half of the women don't really know what their face shape is. And that's what should be recognized. I I 100% agree. So what I want to know about you, right, is okay. you went from the department store. Tell I know the story. Our, our listeners don't know the story. So tell me the story mm-hmm. of how you really broke into the production side of the business. Well, I was frustrated two years and a half after standing in the department stores. I wanted to know why I was not doing what I was supposed to do or getting where I was supposed to be. So a young lady one day, I would I would always form this crowd around the counter because I would reinvent myself and hand out roses and do little things. And so this girl said to me one day, she came past the counter and she said, I, I don't know your name, but I've seen you work. And I'm, I'm, I'm a model. I said, oh, you're a model? She said, yes, I'm doing a test. And I didn't even know what the word test meant. Mm-hmm. I said, you are? I thought she was in school and doing a test. I didn't know what she was talking to me for. <laughs> and she said, I knew then, Brianna, we were getting paid $75 a week just to stand there with cosmetic companies and do other people's faces. That's wow. all you would make. Wow. And she told me that if you come... If you would come and do my face, I could pay you $100. And that's all I heard was $100. I said, Lord, it was almost like Christmas. I didn't have a pencil. I didn't have a brush. I didn't have a thing with me. So I grabbed up all the equipment right from the counter, took it off the counter, grabbed it with me, put it in my little bag, and I went out the store with it. And thank God, I, I was only borrowing it around. I was only, only borrowing it. I was going to bring it back. <laughs> but I didn't have any equipment, so that's what I did. And I walked with this girl about two blocks over. It was a tall, white girl, beautiful, short hair. I didn't think she was that attractive. And I didn't know what her name was. She didn't tell me until we got to the studio. But it still didn't mean anything to me. I watched this girl work a mirror. I watched her work a mirror, and I said, this girl knows what she's doing. So I had to prove to her. His was my chance to prove that I had the ability to do something for a real model, not just the average person walking off the street. But when I painted that eye, she looked in the mirror so closely, and she moved her hand up on top of her head, and she said, I like what you're doing. I never wore this color before. And amazed as I was at it, I knew that she was a pro. And somehow along the way, she appreciated what I did. She had never seen anything done like that before, and she was amazed. She then 
put me on the camera with the photographer. And the photographer said, my God, she's never looked like that before. I said, really? And he said, yes. Are you busy on Wednesday? Wednesday, which would be the two days next coming up. I said, no, sir, I'm not. And he said to me, but, well, we're doing a job, and I would love for you to do the job. But it only pays $700. This is 1975, Brianna. $75 a week to $700 a day. And I didn't know what he meant because I thought I had to do seven girls because I just got $100 for her. (laughs) And I said, oh, my God, what time would I need to be here? He said, no, you don't have seven people. It's just her. I said, oh, I started to cry, Brianna. I didn't know how to control myself because it it meant that I was in the lead. Come to find out she was with... uh, she was with a big model in there. She was with Wilhelmina back in the day. Wow. And she was making $10,000 a day. Wow. I mean, and we did advertisement. And that advertisement became Jordash Jeans, one of the biggest clients in the 1980s, which I did a whole spread for Time Magazine for 11 pages, not only with her but with other women. And seven became another seven and another seven. And so now you have spectacular work. You have beautiful terror sheets. And so the job became easier. Now, that's what I thank God for. That's for that moment where that girl saw something in me that I didn't even see in myself. And she watched me coming in Macy's every day, passing me. I never even noticed her. But she noticed me. And that's what I mean by Brianna. That's how you make it into business. She noticed something was different. And I was doing different things. And she wanted to take me with her. That's what happens in the business. When you get good, people will take you with them on the next level. That's what I meant. So you you went from differentiating yourself at the department store, passing out roses to stand out, to draw people to you. You get noticed for this opportunity. You're like, okay, I'm going to take it. And then that opportunity, that really wasn't that much of a pay increase. So there was really no differentiating factor. You jumped on it. You took the opportunity. And that turned into a $75 a week to a $700 a day job. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? With a client. That kept me, which meant, Brianna, then I have now got beautiful New York Times magazine, the New York Times magazine that comes in the fashion section of the New York Times. And you have 11 beautiful in-color tear sheets of Jordache jeans. And then you look outside the door, and there's that same ad on the buses that are, that are driving by. Wow. They're driving by, and they in the magazine when you turn the page. So my thing is, and the only reason I got that job, because I stood out from the other people. And that's how, because I wasn't a carbon copy, and that's why the girl said, I had never, the model said, I've never seen my eye like this. And the, make, the uh, photographer who put her behind the light said, I'd never seen her look like this before. And That's how you make a difference. And how did it make you feel to go, oh to see your work on the side of buses? I mean, for like one of the leading denim brands in North and, America. And billboards. It's the most uplifting thing you could possibly see. 
Gee, I was I was able to be in New York Times. So I know what it feels like to have a billboard in the New York Times, and uh, and think things that you and on magazine covers. I remember walking in New York and saying to myself, "My God, I wish I could get a magazine to be on these stands." Because every time you walk past a stand in New York, there were magazine stands like no other place in America. And there, there were my essence covers and to get to have the old magazines on the stand. I mean, it's it's amazing that I've lasted this long in a career that because I always always had to reinvent myself. That's what the key is. How do you reinvent yourself to last forty five years in the business? And I think that's such a really brilliant point. So, how do you reinvent yourself? You reinvent yourself when you have young people that you come to your classes. We're being we're being taught what to do in schools and classes, but I've never seen any class, and my classes are all different because I don't do demonstrations, Brianna. I don't do a demonstration. What I do is I write formulas, and each one of you in front of me at a table has to fill that formula. In other words, here's what I want. Here's what that eye should have. Here's what that lip should have. Here's what that cheekbone should look like. And artistically and creatively, if you're good, you can come up with it. That's the great. That that's how you teach makeup. I didn't realize that you didn't do demos at your class. So it's no. truly based off of science and faceology, as you like to yes. call it. And it's unnecessary to do. It's very unnecessary to do because you dare to learn. Not to copy. I can give you. I can give you a CD. That's why I never made a DVD, Brianna, because I didn't want to be a hundred lookalikes of Reggie Wells. Well, so and I think that really speaks to artistry, and that's something that the industry is really losing sight of. Is and it and it really is beyond makeup artists, right? Because our audience isn't just makeup artists, and I think it's important to speak to that because this isn't just artists. Whether you're a brow expert, a hair expert, whatever right. the case may be, you can't use the same formula on exactly. every single person. Botox, whatever the case may be, like whoever exactly. you are in the beauty industry, if you approach every single person the same way, then you're going to lose relevance. And you might be exactly. hot right now, but you're not going to be and Reggie Wells still relevant 40 years right. from now. And that's what the Beauty Boss Network is for, to get education and to know what is going on. And we have to learn how to teach on a different manner. I feel sorry when I go to some of these schools and I see the way they're teaching and they're demonstrating. And I remember uh, watching someone demonstrate, and it was so frustrating to the uh, students because they tried to do what he was doing or she was doing, and that's not the way to teach art. That's not the way to teach. And that's why I'm so upset about using the word artist. And I go right in and I say to people in the classroom, hi, art people, hi, hi, uh, makeup people. I said, I'm sorry I don't use the word artist, but you have to learn, earn that title, and that's what we're here to do today. And they get it once we start working. They really get it. They feel like they're being creatively challenged. And that's what you do. I love it. You've got our you've got Walter over here inspired. 
I'm sure he. I'm sure he is. But that's because Walter is a artist. No matter you, what fill you, no matter what fill you, photography, dance, music, like you say, brows or or lips or nails, it's all artistry. And you don't get famous. You ever watch an actor, yeah. an actor act, in a, or an actress act, and you wonder why they do they get in movies. Because they're great at what they do. I used to watch all these people like Elizabeth Taylor and Betty Davis and remembering classic movies and the way they wore their clothes and the way they stood and stand. You know, what artists, you can, this is what I need to say, Brian. When you touch a celebrity, they already know if you're good or bad, way before they see your picture or see the finish of their work. There's a way you touch them that says confidence. It's like an orchestra starting a, a, a whole concert. In the beginning, the way that starts off is the introduction to classic. And when you touch that person, they know right away, should I get rid of her now or him now, or should I, I do this and feel confident about it? Reggie, mm-hmm. I'm glad I touched you in uh, such a confident way, sir. Yes, you did. <laughs> you, you, proved, you, proved, you proved to me that you are uh, an artist and you can prove anything that you need to do. And, you know, that's the challenge of schools now. If they're going to go around here and teach, uh, you know, color theory and all the stuff that you really don't need to be creative. You really don't. You really don't. And this formula that I made into a curriculum, when they open that book, I actually, I actually have words that they have to calculate and bring into meaning, and that's what it does. I'm not doing this because, you know, I'm not used to doing what I do. I'm educated. I have a degree. I do teaching. It's a thing. I'm not just a makeup artist. I'm a teacher first. And then I can turn it into anything you need to learn. And that's the key. I'm, thank God for Beauty, Net, uh, Beauty Boss Network because now there's a door that we can open that we know we'll get all the knowledge we need to be in this organization. And it's going to be exposure, exposure, exposure. And that's what we need. You know, when we invented, when Oprah came up with her show, it was all about bringing the right people together to make that show a classic. And she built everything around bringing the right people in. And that's why it was 20-something Emmy Awards won. You know, Lighting, I'm producer. so glad. I'm so glad you brought Oprah up because that's just yes. a huge part of your career, one of the longest yes. relationships that you've had. So how did Oprah go about finding you? And you talk about her finding the right people to really build that business with. How did you guys become acquainted in her You know, originally uh, Oprah was working in Baltimore while I was a school teacher. And this is an honest, God, true story. And I was a school teacher, and Oprah was becoming an anchor woman for WJZ in Baltimore. And because I had that grooming and modeling club, I was always interested in calling Oprah to see if she would talk to the girls. Back then, and nobody knew about her. She was local, and she was building up her own time. And she always would 
answer her own phone. And I said, could you? And she said, well, that's not really what I do. She said, and I said, and I would love to try to do, you know, work with you with your makeup. She said, oh, I'm fine with my makeup. Thank you. And I did that for four years, back and forth on the phone, until one day I resigned from teaching, went to New York, and started with Essence Magazine. I hold 80 magazine covers to this day. Nobody has ever been a makeup artist with 80 covers with one magazine like Essence. And when Oprah came in and she got famous, they decided to do her. That's what God works. That's a full circle. And wow. they said, Reggie, we're getting ready to do this new talk show post. I said, oh, my God, what's her name? And they said, Oprah Winfrey. Wow. I said, well, don't tell her my name. Don't tell her my name. I mean, she did, She knew my name, but don't tell her who I am. She'd never seen my face. So when she walked in the room, she said, oh, my God, what's all this makeup for? Oh, my God, look at all this stuff. And somehow she moved away from not even mentioning who I was or I had the name. And I started right away on her. And I, she said, oh, my God, all this stuff. She said, oh, and you're so gentle on my face. And she looked in the mirror and she said, I've never seen myself look like this at all, at never before. I said, well, you could have looked like this five years ago. And she said, that list, <laughs> I hear that list. What is your name? She said, you're the guy that kept calling me. I said, oh, my God, yes, I am. She said, Reggie, I am so sorry. Look at how this happened. She was amazed at the way it happened. She said, I need you to come back to Chicago with me. Wow. And that was the beginning of a relationship that would last for 23 years. And lead to an Emmy and traveling the world. I and mean, that's all over the world. I've been all over the world. I've met so many people. I remember backstage at the Oscars, and Betty Davis was still alive. She was 87 years old, and I went over to Betty Davis, and she just looked at me, and I said, you still have those Betty Davis eyes. And she said, darling, well, what do you think I was going to do with it? And, <laughs> I mean, moments like that, and knowing that she saw me with Oprah, and uh, she introduced an Oprah matter, it was so amazing that. You, your life was so interesting it could be on that level. And I have a hundred and at least 120-something, 40-something magazine covers with the old magazine. And, we, and I'm responsible for changing that lighting, Brianna, because the lighting wasn't correct for the magazine and the show. The magazine covers were found, but we couldn't get that in the studio. And Oprah said, what do we need to do? Reggie, what do we need to do? And I brought these professional people in, and we ended up winning 18, 19 Emmy Awards for Best Lighting on a talk show. That's amazing. And I just want to take a minute to to really speak to the audience directly. I don't know if you're picking up the message, you guys, but mm -hmm. if you're not, I'm gonna just I'm gonna just lay it out real crystal clear for a minute. If you didn't hear it the first time, let me just reemphasize for you real quick that Reggie reached out to Oprah five mm -hmm. years before he actually mm -hmm. got the opportunity, called mm -hmm. relentlessly worked his agenda 
growing himself as a person, and then by visualizing that opportunity, it fell into his lap, essentially. And so I think that that's something that's so important to speak to because particularly amongst, you know, millennials, and I can speak about that because I am a millennial, so I am the first to have my millennial moments, and we want things to happen really quick. And so I'm going to speak to that because it's so easy to get rejected and think, okay, well— That's not meant for me, and I'm going to move on. And no doesn't mean no. No means next opportunity, right? Mm. Next opportunity to impress and grow. And you're a living example of that. And so for people that maybe get rejected once, that get knocked down once, that think, oh, you know, I got rejected, and, you know, this isn't for me, and I need to change paths, or I need to go back to my 9 to 5, or makeup artistry, or hairstyling, or whatever you do in the beauty industry isn't for me, well, you're wrong. And it really comes down to persistence and nerve at the end of the day. And Reggie, you've got some nerve, my friend. I have plenty of nerve, I have plenty of talent, and I'd be a fool to cheat God and not do what he gave me the right to do. Amen. God gave it, and everybody has a talent. And if I wasn't persistent in it, and if I didn't teach, when I went to teach art in public school, I rejected the curriculum because it was the same curriculum that I was taught by when I was in junior high school. And I relentlessly didn't do it. And so when I showed the school system the way to teach art was different. It was different. I made it different because I wanted to enjoy it. And those those students voted me teacher of the year three years straight. Mm. Because I was, I mean, they heard music. They watched film. They took photography. The principal said, what is going on outside on that lawn? I said, Dr. White, they're having photography. He said, photography? What's that? I said, taking pictures. That's not a part of the curriculum. I said, "It doesn't it feel good to know that? And we are changing the curriculum. And that's persistency. And it worked out well. He loved it. That's so fascinating. And I'm curious, why? Because your whole life has really been about art, and your your mm-hmm. your art itself has evolved, right? So why yes. do you love art? Because art is everything. Listen to it, Viana, again. Art is everything. That's the way I teach it. It's that chair, Brianna. It's the microphone. It's everything you're holding, that ring on your hand. Anything that is designed or created is a part of art. Let me say it again. Anything that's designed or created, that means a jet plane, that means an interior couch, that means a window, a drape, and that's what we get involved in. It's art, and that's what you do. You get involved with art because every time you walk, you see it. In a flower, in a building, in the clouds, in the sunset, and the sunrise. That's the way I look at it. And if we all did it that way, we would have such a much peaceful time of our lives. That's beautiful. And I think that not enough of us quote-unquote artists look at it that way. And I think that in the modern times, it's really become more of a, a trade and a fast way to make cash. 
And it's not looked at as the art form that it is, but that's also why not all of us are greats. And if you really want to be a great, then you really have to look beyond the fast cash and really the art form that it's derived from. And it's the people like you that really see it as such that have been able to gain that legendary status. So now it's time for a beauty blooper. <laughs> Sponsored by Glamcore, the boldest lighting for the brightest beauty. So this week, I am taking over the beauty blooper segment because I have the beauty blooper of all beauty bloopers. We are shooting video and content because if you didn't already know, now you know that the beautybossnetwork.com website is officially live. That's right, if you go to the website, it is popping, it is lit, it is all the way live. And I tell you this because with that liveness came a lot of new video that we were cutting this past week. It was me and Walter in the studio. I had my hair done, I had my nails done, I had everything did, feeling really cute and really fly. And I get a call from Walter like earlier this week, late in the evening, and he's like, Brie, we can't use that video. I said, why? Why can't we use the video? The video is great and perfect. What are you talking about? I have my nails done, my hair done, everything did. Like, what's wrong with this video? He says, I mean, you were great. The video is great. The sound is great. I'm like, okay, so what's wrong, Walter? He says to me, do you want to tell them what you said to me, Walter? I said, Bray, you got a booger in your nose. And I couldn't see it in the camera, but now that I've blown it up, I see this, this booger in your nose, and I don't know if I can take it out. <laughs> <laughs> you guys, do you know how embarrassing that is? I had a booger in my nose the whole video. You tell them what you told me. <laughs> I said, so what's the solution, Walter? What do you want me to do about it at 8 p.m. the night before the due date, yo? I don't know. I can't do anything about this. She said, I need a solution. So what do you, what do you, usually you, you, you state problems. Okay, well. I said, stop. So my whole thing with my team, my team knows, especially because we do a lot of live events, people don't come to me with problems at the events. They know I can't handle it. And especially now, I'm like, okay, you got a problem. Don't come to me with just the problem. If you come to me with a problem, you better have already thought through the solution. So Walter calls me with this problem. I'm like, yo, what is the solution to the problem? Said, I don't know. I just, I just saw the booger just now, and I just called you. <laughs> Oh, so it was pretty <laughs> humiliating and embarrassing. And thank God I have the best people ever with the Beauty Boss Network team because Walter, being Walter, figured it out. And you will never know that there was a booger in the video. But I challenge you to go watch all of the videos and see if you can figure out which one had a bug in my nose. And if you can figure it out, maybe you should send us an email and let us know, Brie, I totally spotted the bug. <laughs> <laughs> we might just have to call you and bring you in on our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so check out PDBossNetwork.com, see if you can find the famous booger, and let us know if you can spot it. See ya. <laughs> and so beyond, you know, the, the people that we talked about earlier and Oprah, you know, you're, 
your resume speaks way beyond that, and you've worked with even some of the most modern-day celebrities, such as Oprah and Michelle Obama. So tell me about yeah. how your experience led you to staying relevant with even some of the most current, well-known celebrities. Well, you know, the, the way you do it is that you have to watch everybody. You know, I, when I first put my hand on Michael Jackson, I was nervous. I, I could tell. I was very nervous. Michael Oprah Jackson? Had a, I didn't know yeah. Michael Jackson. Oh, yeah. I did Michael Jackson. Right? Damn, Oprah, Tito. P, PJ, all of them. I did with Tito, all of them. I touched Jermaine. I touched uh, uh, Janet. I've done Janet. I've done uh, wow. uh, Latoya. Wow. All in the beginning. These are people that, but when Oprah was doing the interview with Michael Jackson, we were in his house. And Michael Jackson, at that time, you know, he oh, was, yeah. you know, that was bad. And all those new songs he was doing. And I asked, could I touch him up just a slight bit? And he said, yes, Reggie, I like the way you make Oprah. You make her pretty. Then I found out that the potter that I was using on Oprah as a highlight was the same powder that he was using to cover his skin and his face. And so you never know who you have to be prepared for as well. So all those stories, you know, I'm writing my life story, my memoir, which is going to open up a lot of doors to moments in my life. And I think if you live a life as full as I have, you have to be, you have to tell that story to motivate someone else. And that's another moment, too, that I really want to reemphasize, you guys. I don't know if you heard him say it, but you don't ever know who you need to be prepared for. Mm-hmm. Huge. And it's not about just that one opportunity. You don't know what opportunity is going to come from that opportunity, so you better be prepared for right. all of it. I had no idea I would have to touch Michael Jackson up as well while working with Oprah. So that was an opportunity, and we were right there on the property. And Oprah had that interview in 1980. I can't even remember that number. But uh, it was exciting. And to do Janet Jackson when she was only 19 uh, for the Essence magazine cover. And to, you know, a lot of people started off. I started with, you know, them. And then see Beyonce when she was 16 and 17 years old with Destiny Child. That's my bootylicious video. Yes. I That's my... <laughs> I love it. So So you did make it for the bootylicious video. Two days. Iconic. That's amazing, Reggie. Four days. Two days. $10,000 a day. How about that? $10,000 a day. A day. A day. And you think about that $75 a week and that $10,000 a day. Do you ever just sit back and think, like, wow, is this really my life? I made millions of dollars. I mean, I was was the top, top of the craft. I was the top. And when you prove yourself and you work, you can always get your work, Brad. You can always get your work. Your work speaks for your, your proof of what your artistry is. If you've done all these people and have all these covers and you work to be different. I mean, I look back at some of my 1981 covers of Essence knowing that I mixed those colors. I mixed those colors. There were no, there were no chocolate lipsticks. But when I put certain colors together and made them, there was no gold lipstick. But I have covers that show that. Right. Because they were they were eyeshadows, and they were eyeshadows, and 
and blushes that I had to mix together to make different colors. And that's the beauty of me being an artist in the beginning. That's, just, that's what made it different. That's all. That's amazing. And I'm curious to know, too, because it's such a gargantuan leap that you made in your career and and to switch careers because this wasn't even your initial career and I just feel like so often people aren't going after their purpose like you talk about like what God gave you that you know you're supposed to do but you don't listen to it because you think like oh it's too late for me to start over or it's too late for me to go after this that's what what I started because I was uh, I didn't mean to interrupt you but I started off as a problem in junior high school I was a problem I wanted people to recognize me and notice me. And I didn't realize, Brianna, one day my art teacher kept me after school. And she said, would you draw something and keep quiet? And guess what happened? I drew a picture of roses in a vase. And I was kept after school. In those days, you could keep people after school. Mm-hmm. And the, the art teacher looked at me, and she said, my God, Reggie, oh, my, did you draw this rose? I said, yes, ma'am. She said, do you realize I can't draw a rose? And that's, Brianna, I knew I was different. It's for, I've been talented all my life, and nobody ever said to me, little boy, you're talented. Is and that so when, I met, is that I when you knew me. you were an artist? That's when I knew, because I was drawing and painting, but nobody ever said, my mother and my father and, and people around my neighborhood, they didn't realize that I could draw. They didn't see it as a big thing. I thought everybody could draw. And that's when I became a real student because I knew I had a gift. And my teacher, I wanted Miss Crawford to love me. And she loved me. And she pushed me onto paper. And she said, draw this and draw this and paint this and paint. And I became very famous. I was, people were looking at, can you draw me one, Reggie? Draw me, draw mine too. And I said, wow, that's what we miss. People don't, they miss it. And thank God she caught it and saved my life. And what I think is also really interesting is a lot of times people view art as not being um, a realistic livelihood. Right, right. And but that's, that's because they forget art is everything, as I said before. And that's beautiful. And I'm sure that you had your fair share of naysayers and people who thought you should quit and didn't believe in what you were doing, but you didn't listen to it. And But I never listened to anybody anyway. Mm-hmm. You, a person that I have to listen to is the person who has already shown me what they can become, like Miss Ca- Crawford, the art teacher. Right. I listened to her because she was already an artist, and I listened to her. But when people told me you couldn't do it, I was a boy who did anything I wanted to do. I got beatings, and I got I scolded for it, and scolded and everything and arguments. You know, one day I wanted to give a fair in my backyard, so I bought 20 balloons and blew them up and stuck them on the gate. <laughs> and I made Kool-Aid, and I, I served Kool-Aid, and I... I, you know, I became a clown out in the backyard. And my mother looked at me and said, who told you to do that? I said, I did it. She said, where's all my sugar? I said, I made Kool-Aid. So I was always doing something creative in order to, to get sparked. And I made, it, I made that become my life. What's so, so, in, 
what's so empowering about you is that 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 is you, but that takes a tremendous amount of confidence. So many of us don't have it. So where do you find your confidence from? Like, where does that come from? You get that from, you're born with it or you get it from God. And we just ignore the skills we have. We ignore the talent we have. And I taught teaching school. I saw children come every day in the classroom. I would had to figure out what do I do with them today. And sometime I had to figure it out that day because John might be upset, Mary might be confused, and the girl over there, she's mad with her mother because she didn't get by the shoes she wanted to do. So I had to bring all these people in the group and try to figure out what did they need. So when she talked about her shoes, we talked about shoes. She talked about her mother being ill. We talked about illness. We talk, I made that art classroom become more than just... And if you walked into my classroom, Brianna, you felt happy anyway because I put carpet on the floor. <laughs> the principal didn't want me to put carpet on the floor. I put drapes on the window, Brianna, when... when homosexuals were not even thought about as being school teachers. They didn't even put a name to it. I just became some. And you know what happened with those children? When they walked in my room, they wanted to be there because it was so refreshing to see it. I remember a parent said to me one day at Pete Amy, she said, my God, this my daughter, a preacher, she told me about this room, but... This is better than my living room. I said, no, you didn't. And she meant it. She said, that's no wonder she talks about you when she comes home. I said, but I had to work for this. I had to have good discipline. These children had to come in here respecting the idea. And what I found out is that's why art is so demanding in a school. Art and music should be the, the essence the nerve of how school is run. And I'm saying that, and I'm saying it big. Art and music should be the, 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 the heart of how a school and how a class is run. I don't care if you're teaching history. I don't care if you're teaching English. I don't care if you're teaching science. It should be the art. It should be the core. And then you can open any mind. Art should preach. be the core, and the then core, you can the open any, any mind. mind. Write it down, okay? Give me and one, you what's your final advice that you would give to somebody, a beauty boss listener? I want the beauty boss listeners to say, I want to say this, because I can't talk like this unless I was out there doing everything, the teacher teaching the art people, teaching makeup people, teaching everybody, and talking to a number of women. You can never give up the idea of being successful. You can never say, I wish I had, I could have had, everything. Don't let anybody take a dream away from you. I don't care if it's your husband. I don't care if it's your children. You have to work together to come where you need to come. I hear women all the time, Johnny doesn't like a lot of makeup. I said, then get rid of it. But Johnny doesn't understand you. Get rid of them. If you have a little bit of makeup on, that's fine. If you have a lot, that's fine. Because a man or anybody will love you for who you are, who you are, not because of the makeup, good or bad or evil. So become your own person. And please, makeup artist, stop being 
carbon copies and cookie copies of somebody else. Stop being that. Learn how to be your own boss and turn into your own network, okay? That's the way you do it. I love that. I didn't mean to talk you to death. No, are you kidding me? You got me preaching today, okay? (laughs) We went to make up church today, Reggie. That's what we did, right at the pulpit. Beauty Boss Church for real. I feel like we could have a whole other podcast. We'll have to do another one because you just have so much knowledge to share. But what my key takeaways from our time together are, you know, staying persistent. I think that that is a huge thing that you've done consistently in your career. And what's real is that success doesn't come to what you do occasionally. It's what success is what comes from what you do consistently and persistently. And so that is something that you really lived by and that it shows. It's it's a proven success method is being persistent and consistent, having confidence in what you do, believing in yourself and who you are as an artist, and then not just staying complacent in that. My second takeaway was not just being comfortable with who you are, but making sure that you're doing everything that you can to stay relevant and to evolve as an artist at the same time. And that's what that's how I lasted all these years at being relevant and still having the grace to have some of my talent still with me, but I, I love talking to people and motivating people and to get to that level and because there's a way to get to it. So never give up because we all have a gift. We all do, all of us. That's so beautiful, and that's something that is, um, it's a very personal thing for me because, I mean, we've all had those moments when we want to give up on ourselves, and I've certainly had those moments where I'm just like, you know. You know, but I have to say this, Brianna, I mean to cut you off. You have everything necessary. You have it all. It's all given to you. You are a package, and if you continue with that package, you will be one of the most successful women Today, I know it from personality, I know it from experience, and when you have it, it is there. It's that little it that Oprah and everybody else has that has made it. Reggie, I want to go on record in saying I uh, second that. (laughs) Okay, and you know, I think everybody feels the same way, but don't ever let anything get you down because, you know, every time you fall, you get up. You get up, and you don't have to fall down and stay down. Wipe yourself off, dust yourself off, and start all over again. It's so funny. You know, I actually just got that uh, permanently <laughs> marked on my body. My mother is a uh, oh, yeah. piece of her probably dies when I say this, but I, I did. I got my first tattoo, you guys, and I. Oh my uh, God. it's a symbol. And it's mm-hmm. not big, it's small, but it's personal to me because... We've all been knocked down, and it doesn't matter what you've been given yes. in life. We've all been knocked down, and all that matters yes. is to get back up. So I even put that on my body, and it's a symbol that means fall down seven times, stand up eight. Oh, wow. That's great. That's great. Well, you have it. Don't don't give it up. Thank don't you. Don't give it up. Thank you. And, and, I, anybody, and everybody out there that knows about the Beauty Boss Network, I mean, we want this to grow. We want to really encourage, educate, and enlighten enlighten all of the people involved with this organization. I'm with it 100%. So I'm telling you, it's the best thing that happened in this beauty world today. 
Well, that's a humbling thing to hear you say, and I'm with you 100%. I'm so inspired by you. I know all of our listeners are as well. Your message, what you stand for, and the information and the knowledge that you have to give and you give so freely is just, it's, it's, it's so motivating and inspiring, and I'm just so thankful to have people like you who not only lived it, but you really practice what you preach. And, um, you know, I can't wait to have you back on another podcast, not a, another Beauty Boss Network Live event. Because Great. you are the real deal, and um, you, you just truly are such an inspiration. So, Beauty Bosses, stay inspired, stay get educated, continue, don't get complacent, be persistent in your passion, and you too will be able to move mountains just like Reggie. Thank you so much for your time, Thank all you of too. your information. You are great, absolutely amazing, and I cannot wait to bring you back to another Beauty okay. Boss Network Live. I can't, I can't wait to be there, and I expect to see everybody there. Thank you so much, Brianna. Keep up your glorious work that you do. Thank okay. You. Oh, I love you, Reggie. Love you too, sweetheart. <laughs> you too. Okay. You're the best. Right. We'll talk to you Bye-bye. next time on the Beauty okay. Boss Podcast. Bye-bye. Bye. <laughs> OMG, use a bomb. Beauty Boss Network. Come on, slay, boss. This episode is brought to you by Must Have More Than Makeup. My Must Have Must Have of the week is my Mood Therapy Mask. Boost your mood with a Must Have face mask. Check it out on their Instagram account at Must Have underscore USA. That's at M U S T A E V underscore USA. This is the EWN Podcast Network.